Hello, my name is Flick Beckett and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a picture house podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. Today we talk to director Lee Haven-Jones about his directorial debut, The Feast, and then the lead actor, Nia Roberts, about her role as the fabulous Glenda in this Welsh language revenge horror in picture houses from Friday 19th. Welcome, Lee Haven Jones, to the Picture House podcast, and congratulations on the feast, which is your feature directorial debut. Correct. <laughs> and you are actually an award-winning TV director. So, tell us about this. How, how this came about for you? Had you wanted to make a feature for a while, and how was the transition from TV to film? Um, I've always wanted to make a film. I mean, uh, that was my passion as a child. I used to watch uh, horror films, actually, at an inappropriate kind of age. Um, and so it was always a, a, a real passion to direct a feature film. Um, as it happened, I had a rather kind of circuitous route into, into directing film involving kind of training as an actor and wanting to be a theatre director and, and, and the rest of it. But yeah, I managed to um, I managed to bribe a television producer to allow me to. Um, I was acting in the series at the time to allow me to shadow the director, and and the rest is history, really. Um, and and as a television director, I was longing to to make a film. I'm always bashing at the doors of the various gatekeepers, you know, the BFI or Welsh or, or, or Film Cymru Wales, um, constantly saying, "Let me direct a film, please. I want to direct a film." And then saying, "No, no, no, you can't direct a film. You're a television director." And um, and I guess then it became a little bit of a challenge, you know, how can I possibly do this, even though they don't want me to do it? Uh, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> And it is, it's just perseverance, isn't it? And having that, because often people do get pigeonholed if you're TV, you're TV, and if you're um, feature, you're feature, you know, and often, yeah. but it is becoming more mixed up with this whole streaming thing, which is great, I think, you know. That... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it, it's great that the, the I guess, the barriers and the, and the walls mm. are down, and um, and that is that is a strength. But however, you know, I think there is a fundamental difference between... Uh, cinema and or, or cinema storytelling in 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 the cinema and on television you know and I guess for me that was the big challenge to sort of to to I kind of knew that that was the case but it was about kind of confirming and and and, and learning what the differences were and yes it's up to the audience to decide if I've managed to do that <laughs> I would say quite definitely and I, it's so great that you took were able to have or work within a genre that you already loved rather than something that might have been a bit more of a visual challenge for you I don't know but for you what was the biggest challenge do you think in the transition from tv to film I think it goes down to what I was saying a little or implying a little earlier which is it's a it's a different way of telling a story and I think Mm. on television uh by and large it's far more literal Mm. you know 
your your it's sort of candy floss in a way television and you're providing an audience with a story that they follow but i think with cinema um or at least the kind of cinema that i like to watch and like to make it's 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 a a process that involves the audience a little more creatively i think in 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 the act of creation you know it's it's about allowing the audience the space to almost to construct their own story based on the kind of little hints and signifiers that you lay out in front of them and 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 i love that you know it, it reminds me very much of uh, my background in theatre, you know, in order for theatre to happen, you have to have an audience that are that want to engage imaginatively in 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 the thing in front of you, and 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 I think that's true of the cinema that I've or that, that I like and that I've made. You know, I, I completely I really agree, and um, because I think the way that this film works, it is hints and suggestions, as you say. So as the audience, you are left, oh, what is this? What is going on? And it's so intriguing and engaging. So tell me about, first of all, choosing to shoot in the Welsh language. And was that always going to be the case? And I love that the Welsh language is so sort of pithy and so sort of earthy. And it gives you that real sense of other place that is so important to horror. Yeah, to go back to what you were saying earlier, actually, about the hints and suggestions. Um, it was Howard Barker, who's a rather remarkable uh, English playwright and theorist, who said art is a problem of understanding. And that is my kind of, I guess that's the one maxim that has kind of driven a lot of my work, actually, including this film. As for as for creating this film in the Welsh language, it's interesting. I always have the question, why did you do it in the Welsh language? And I always think, I wonder if Scorsese has the question, why did you do this in the English language? I mean, it's just because I am Welsh and 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 it's and it's a mode of expression for me and then the, the mode of expression in which I'm probably most comfortable, you know. So so that's why it's in Welsh. But what is fascinating is that the Welsh language does give this film its particular taste and 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 a really strong taste and um and again that was that was you know that was intended because i think in this day and age you have to kind of fight don't you to be to be heard there's so much content out out there and 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 i think sort of focusing on culturally specific things in a world that is increasingly globalized is is a really smart kind of move so yeah it does give this film a particular taste and flavor and a feel that I hopefully will be really um, appealing to audiences. It feels different. It feels other. Um, exactly. and, and in fact, I set out to make a film, you know, I, th I think there's a, you know, it doesn't feel, hopefully it doesn't feel like a British ho horror film. And by British, I guess I mean English in that sense, yeah. you know. I have borrowed from cinematic cultures over the globe, really, and, and tried to create something that feels familiar and yet incredibly different. Yes, I mean, I would say it was almost more Eastern European in its kind of vibe. I, I, can't, I can't quite put my finger on a specific film that it would that, that would suggest that, but it definitely has kind of this otherness that is definitely not English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that was you know, that was by that was by design. You know, I, I in terms of television in Wales, I think we've created a lot of television over the years that we've had to make first of all in Welsh and then in English in order to sell to the markets. And that was a particular frustration of mine. And I started to analyze why that was. And it seemed to me that actually the reason for that was a lot of the content felt culturally and tonally and stylistically British. Yeah. And so I had a theory that if we made something that felt very un-English, um, that, that it would appeal to audiences worldwide. And, and, and 
in terms of my cinematic kind of references, I was looking to sort of Japan and, and Korea. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, as you said, to Eastern European cinema as well. You know, um, yeah, there are portions of it. You know, I keep on going through it with friends and going, this this is the bit that reminds me of of the Ukrainian of a Ukrainian film, or this is the bit that reminds me of a of a Norwegian film or or a Korean film or whatever. I mean, yeah, it is a. I guess I'm a magpie in that sense. You know, I've I've sort of sought references across the globe and and synthesized them in this sort of in this Welsh mashup. And tell me about the actual story. I mean, is it founded in Welsh folklore and where did it come from? And were you involved in the, the script and the storytelling and, and the creation of the story? Or was it a story that came to you fully formed? Um, I was involved uh, in, the, in the creation of the story from, a, from a, an early stage. Um, I've worked quite a bit with the screenwriter, Roger Williams. Um, and um, we decided that we wanted to reclaim the horror genre from the Americans uh, and make it a Welsh kind of phenomenon. And um, and basically, partly based on the fact that a lot of our literature, you know, going back centuries, it, it seemed to me was in, it was inherently horrific. Yes. In some of the stories from the Mabinogi, which date from the sort of uh, 1300s or 1200s actually, and earlier, you know, they're incredibly fantastical and there's lots of shape-shifting going on and and, they're, and they're, they are horrific. I mean, terrible things happen to people. Um, and the one myth that was, I guess, the the inspiration for the story of Caddy was the myth of Blodeyweth. And Blodeyweth is this character who is created by a wizard called Gwydion um, out of flowers and given as a wife to his friend. And um, of course, she's not particularly happy about this because uh, she's contained within flesh and bones, mm -hmm. and therefore she ends up killing her husband, and um, and is then turned into a turned into an owl, actually. Um, but it, so 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 Bladeyweth was the sort of the founding idea, but we've sort of extrapolated on it, and it's not particularly faithful to that. But what a fabulous like earthy beginnings, and then to become this. Allegory? Is that a good idea? Yeah. For, for... I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's very definitely a, it has the feeling of myth or fairy tale, you know. Uh, I, I come from a theatre background and, um, you know, Greek drama is a big thing in my life, as is Shakespeare, and it, it, it does have that sort of universal classical feel to it, I think. Yes, and the, and the characters are, are very archetypal. In, in lots of ways, you know, but um, I mean, I was really struck by how enjoyable they all were in their horrible unlikableness. <laughs> and um, the cast must have absolutely loved getting stuck into their roles. So tell me about casting and bringing this whole, these all these creatures to life. <laughs> yes, I mean, it, uh, casting was a joy on this because, I mean, a joy, but also quite sort of scary in a way because, as I've said, our, our culture here is in Wales, um, much to my frustration, is sort of television based. So what was tricky about this was sort of trying to persuade actors uh, who are used to kind of swimming in a soup of naturalism mm. to embrace that archetypal nature of, of, of the piece, you know, and, and, and for example, with Anes, who plays, who plays Caddy, um, there's not much on the page for Caddy, you know, she doesn't speak that much at all in the in the entire film and for the first seven or eight minutes of the film there's not a a, a, a word of dialogue uttered so it was sort of trying to persuade Anes of the of the potential of the role um and of 
it's that maxim though, isn't it? You know, a minimum effort, maximum effect. So, um, and I think Anna's embraced that um, whole wholeheartedly. And 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 once once I had kind of set out the the parameters within which we were working, you know, it it was a very playful set. And and there is something very enjoyable about playing kind of horrendous people. Some of the most liked characters in in sort of what they call the mystery plays, for example, you know, it's the it's the devil or, mm. or very bad people. And I so it was sort of harking back to that tradition, really. And and they all love doing it, of course, because actors love playing characters that are very removed from themselves, are very extreme as well. And and this is a real opportunity to play an extreme character. And I really enjoyed the efficiency of the script in that way. So sort of harking back to this big difference between TV and film, like and and how much you're given as the viewer to interpret and to enjoy. And um you know, just things like Gwyn saying it's a privilege to do his job. I mean, just I love that smart, sort of succinct insight into everything that he was, everything their marriage was. You know, it was brilliant. Yeah, that was by design, really. Mm. Um, I guess uh, uh, Roger and I, having uh, worked on a lot of television together, um, as I mentioned, we sort of had to uh, discover or re-educate ourselves, I guess, in the way of cinematic storytelling and one of one of the elements of that was about you know it's a it's a visual medium and and therefore uh keep dialogue to a minimum you know and it was my it's my constant mantra and I would go through the script and cut cut lots of sort of lots of lots of dialogue thinking we can do we can we can make that point with a look or we can or, or this line is 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 enough to make like you've just said to make that absolute point you know and 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 it's smart in that way I, I kept on looking at examples of scripts uh so a script like hunger for example mm. um, which is very sparse and probably that script only runs to about 40 pages you know but of course there is this when you're when you're pitching an, a script there is this idea that you know scripts should be 90 pages long but often i think it's best when uh when elements are left to the audience's imagination it, it's akin to for me it's a bit like going into the, the, the experience of, of of this film and I, what, what I want this film to be like for the audience is a bit like going into an art gallery where you have a vast white room with empty white walls and then there's an object at the at the center of the room and then as a as a viewer we can sort of step around that object yeah. and take it in and start to project our own thoughts and feelings onto that object which leads me back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it's about engaging uh, the viewer creatively in what's on screen. Yeah, and I love what you've just said about like viewing the objet kind of thing, because um, I felt that very much with the house. You know, I'm sure it is actually someone's lovely home, but the way it's been shot, it's so distressing and angular and unhomely and you know and like you said that you can walk around it and experience it in in a myriad of ways tell me about yeah your location oh, it's, it's really interesting because i went to see i went to see uh not long ago i went to see um the glass menagerie in uh in the west end and um that house is like a it's almost like a display case isn't it mm. you know got lots of glass in it and 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 it is this hermetically sealed box within which this family kind of rattle around and and it well, it's the perfect metaphor i think for the family because it is hard and angular and there are very few soft furnishings in it it's like their relationships you know they're very austere and very economical 
And um, yeah, the journey to finding that location was great, actually, because it was so simple. Oh, um, good. <laughs> this is not, not always the case. You know, Roger had written this rather fabulous piece, which I then literally put in a, in a search engine, you know, um, contemporary designed houses of Wales. And then and then a, about eight or nine houses popped up. And this was the second one I took a look at. And I loved it right from the start because there was a, a rather amusing irony to the fact the house was called uh, T. Bowed, which translates as life house. And I loved the idea of bringing all this death and destruction to this place that was called life house. Anyway, I, I saw it online and then we arranged to go and see, uh, and and, um, and visit it. And then when we got there, it was just, it just sort of was perfect. And actually what we ended up doing was we ended up incorporating some of the more uh, extreme architectural features, for example, the cell in into the script, much like you do with the site-specific theater piece, I guess, you know, um, really incorporating what's in the environment into the script so that we could, so it feels very authentic and, um, yeah, it, it um, the house gives it a real uh, a real feel. I think it's actually a beautifully designed uh, piece of architecture by John Pawson, but nobody lives there. It's a it's a meditation retreat. Ah, okay. I mean, yeah, I definitely sense its architectural fabulousness. But I loved how, like with the cell in particular, when she's surrounded by the beautiful Welsh valleys or whatever, and she's like opting to go and sit in the cell to for her meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she, she says it's a retreat from the world. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, just open the front door. You've got like acres, acres of, of beautiful bucolic countryside in front of you. Why are you in this cell? Yeah. Yes. But that is that that is it's such a that's one of the sort of elegant, the elegant parts of the film where you really do empathize with the separation that we have from mm. who we could be, should be, ought to be, need to be aspiring to back to being. You know, and the lovely character of Maid, who's just a, appalled by what she's witnessing. You yeah. know, and and we, and especially um, Glenda, cannot has, has lost all all her connection with her spirit and who she is. So yeah. yeah, tell me about Glenda. She really is the sort of fulcrum character, isn't she? She is. She's the beat. Uh, I mean, it, it for me, it's a piece about the two. Uh, Women. I mean, I guess uh, Caddy arguably is is a spirit of some mm -hmm. kind, but uh, and 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 they are. You know, I think I think that the, the the drama happens between these two entities really. And um, Glenda, yeah, as you said, she's lost all connection with with her past, and she's desperately, as as I think we all do uh, to one degree or another. We she's um, struggling to reconcile her past with her present and I think you know there's a there's a brilliant sort of playwright called David Story who talks about this and a novelist actually and and it's about um knowing who you were but then how do you become something else in the world um and and and, and that's that's her journey really just she's struggling to reconcile who she was with who she's become and um and and we've all been there I think we've yeah all you know, and, and 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 therefore there's a universality to her tale. And and I think we feel we feel the tragedy of her of her compromised existence, you know. Um some people say that they don't feel for her, but I but I challenge anybody to 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 sort of not to not to identify with that, you know. We've all come from somewhere, we're all going, we're we're all we'll find ourselves going somewhere. 
and 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 sometimes those places are very different and we've all bought into the lie we are all complicit in this whole great big mess that we're in <laughs> we you are know. we are indeed we are indeed <laughs> absolutely you know and i and i think to judge glenda is really not okay it's not part of it you know mm. if anything we have to see our inner glenda and try and stop it before we're blowing someone's head off with a gun you know <laughs> absolutely. absolutely before you before you trample onto the dining table with a gun yeah yes exactly without wanting to spoil anything i might cut yeah, well, no spoilers no spoilers <laughs> but um and i had the, i was lucky enough to interview nia roberts actually at um the london film festival where the feast was shown was it last year or was it earlier this year, I forget. year. Yeah, it yeah. was last year yeah and um you know and she was so pleased that there, it was a role for someone, a woman over 40 that wasn't killed off in the first 10 minutes. You know, that, that I, it, well, it, this is not specifically about women, but it is such a, an unusual, great role for a woman, you know, especially, you know, um, over the age of 25, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. And she plays it with aplomb, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and I think what I love, what I love about her performance is that she is, She's brilliant at accessing that sort of snobbishness and the waspishness and the uh, just this sort of extreme sort of creature bordering on being a parody in a way. Yes. And yet, and yet we do feel for her, and we particularly towards the end, you know, when when we see her undoing, we do absolutely kind of identify with her pain and her suffering. And um, it's a it's a real kind of tour de force performance. And then on the other hand, by contrast, um, and she is by stark contrast, you know, you have um Anis Aloy playing Caddy, who is not half as effusive, but 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 there's an intensity and a, and and a, and an openness and authenticity there that really draws uh, you in. I think as a viewer, you know, we can. And 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 then I've been very particular in 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 rationing. The moments where we actually sympathise with her, but I think she really nails it right at the end of the film, when we do understand why she's committed these heinous crimes against this uh, family, uh, and it's to do with self-preservation. Yes, yes, and and the relationship between them, I thought, was, you know, because Glenda has become this absolute parody of herself, which often people do as they get older; they just fall into the line of whoever they think they're supposed to be having the house that they should have the yeah. they should have the marriage they should have and have no idea who they are and they look down the ages at mm. this 20 year old woman or whoever it is that's presenting them with themselves so violently and, and wordlessly which I thought was so ingenious because it was totally believable that Glenda would accept that Cadiz had nothing to say <laughs> and yeah. would have this girl in her house and that she could just instruct her and 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 not see her at all because her vision is completely impaired by the filter of her life <laughs> yeah. yes and yet and yet caddy's and yet caddy's a like you said caddy's a mirror you know she, mm. she 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 in her blankness she reflects uh glenda back to herself and what glenda sees of course is not particularly appealing no and there's that glorious bit where they both sing together and that to me is like the sort of turning point of the film for Glenda's character particularly to rediscover who she who she is absolutely so 
this is a cinema podcast and so to take a little bit of a, a, a right turn here and I am so passionate about films being seen in the cinema and particularly horror you know it, can you talk to me about how special and how important it is for for the feast to be seen in a cinema? <laughs> well, we made the feast in 2019 mm. and um, I always wanted it to be in the cinema. And of course, in 2020, uh, COVID came along and 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 uh, it was a decision actually. Do we, do we, and, and of course this immense appetite for that awful word content um, on the streamers. And, and it was a decision for us which actually was no decision at all because there was never any doubt in my mind that I wanted this to have a festival run and to be seen by audiences uh, in the cinema. I, I mentioned to you earlier of my background in theatre and I think that's where my love of cinema comes from in a way. It's, it's to do with shared experiences within spaces and and you just don't get that when you're watching it you know yeah we've all got fabulous tvs now but you just don't get that when you're sitting alone in 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 your lounge um it's a it's a communal experience and we feed off each other's energies and and we're all in that experience together and it's a it's a dialectical relationship i think with with what we're seeing on the screen you know and and i guess you know theater's live so that's slightly different but even with a film i think we're just existing in the same space. It's not not life, is it? Yes, I know what you mean. It's incredibly important, particularly in this in this um, in in this age where we're we're kind of atomized, I guess, more a bit like the family in in the feast. You know, that we're all kind of sealed in our boxes, and it's great to get out there and and to share. Yes, it is. And do you have that? Uh, in your memory, a, a, a real moment of cinema where, you know, that was, I always remember like when the head rolled into the bottom of the boat in Jaws and I literally bounced across the aisle, you know, and thought, oh my God, this is cinema. <laughs> like, do you have a moment like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's for me, for me, I mean, it's not, it's not lofty or grand in it. For me, it was E.T., you know, um, as a, as a, as a sort of child of, I don't know, what was I, four or five, something like that kind of seeing this film um, and I think I went to the cinema to see it. I can't, I don't know how I got in, but anyway. Um, and I, it's just, yeah, just, just a, you know, allowing your imagination to run wild. And and again, it's quite interesting, actually. It's a genre film, I guess, in many ways, isn't it, E.T.? Um, and, and it's exploring sort of what it is to be human through the prism of a genre. That's really exciting. And I guess, yeah, I, I was bitten by the bug very early on, as you know, Elliot was on his bike with ET in the front with the little. It's quite interesting. I actually describe Cadis as a where have I written it down? A lurking. Oh yes, she's fabulous as she watches and lurks like an alien. Yes, <laughs> I mean one of the one of the references was um, the Jonathan fabulous Jonathan Glazer film, in her skin. In her skin. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yes. um, which, which is which is with Scott Yeah, I mean yeah. that was the references. I mean she is sort of this uh, a alien presence, albeit not you know not an alien per se. But um, no, but that but also like with ET, just observing and through that uh, just observing and not really communicating, but reflecting the family back to themselves. And in that film, of course, they all see that you know their connections as as a family unit and are probably not as strong as they should be. And and, and that's exactly what Caddy's doing, actually. Yes, exactly. 
Oh, thank you so much. And I just want to add as well that you're going to be doing a Q&A tour, aren't you, around picture houses? Yes. And you and I are going to be yeah, meeting exactly. again on the 23rd of August in Brighton. I'm going to be meeting at the Duke of York's, no, the Duke's at Comedia. So right. tell me what other sites are you going to be able to visit? Have you got your tour schedule? Well, I I think so. Yes. Uh, so we're doing what we're doing. The, we're doing the uh, we're starting. We're kicking off in Chapter Arts Centre in Cardiff on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday. Then we go to the BFI on the fifteenth. Then we go to Nottingham, Liverpool, Green Man Festival, Bristol Watershed, Brighton, and then London. Somewhere in London. And again, I think this is so much part of the cinematic experience. I love Q and As. I love. The fact that you know crew, cast and crew give their time to come along to the cinemas and for the for the um, audience to experience and ask the questions that they you know they never would normally get to ask. I just think it's brilliant. So thank you for doing absolutely. That. I mean, um, for me, it's it's about reflecting on my own process because um, we don't. I, I don't get that opportunity that often. You know, uh, the the lot of a filmmaker is just to make 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 make, and it's really nice to sort of take the time to reflect on why you do things um so I, I i do find it very very rewarding i have to say well thank you so much for joining us on the picture house podcast and i'm looking forward to having our chat where we can talk about spoilers after the after <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> thank you let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Welcome, Nia Roberts, to the Picture House podcast and congratulations on the feast. What a film and what a great part. I loved Glenda. Tell me all about how it came about for you. How it came about. Well, I'd worked with, um, well, I'd worked with both Roger Williams, the writer, and Lee Haven Jones, the director, before. Um, I'd been in a, a series that uh, Lee had directed and also um, in a series that Rog had written and that their company had produced. And you know, Roger and I often talked about things that we'd like to do together in the future. And then they sent me this script and I, they didn't tell me anything about it. I had no idea it was a horror film or anything. And I started reading it. And, you know, obviously it's Glenda talking for the first few pages. And, you know, when you get to my age as an actor, you're so used to be sent scripts that, you know, you get the mum part or whatever, and she tends to disappear and then it's all about the young ones or whatever. And I just thought, oh, it's another boring mum part, you know, it's just, she'll disappear on page five probably. And then I just started turning the pages and I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that at all. I wasn't expecting things to unfold the way they did. And, and then I wasn't expecting Glenda to be this driving force throughout the film, you know, and what a journey and, just such a gift of a part, really. Um, I was on board immediately after that. I just said yes straight away. And um, and just, I feel so comfortable working with Rog and Lee, I suppose, you know, it's so nice to go back to working with people you know, 
and then we got a great you know they got a great cast together and the whole experience was just fantastic really from beginning to end and how did you feel about being in a horror where are you a fan of horror do you know much about it I, I, you know, my husband made quite a, a horror film back in the early 2000s called My Little Eye, and I'm married to Mark Evans, he's a director, and mm. that, at the time, it was when Big Brother was just starting, and that had quite a big impact at the time, so when Mark and I got together, he was obsessed with horror, so we had a lot of Japanese horror in the house, and foreign horror films so I was kind of it was like a baptism of fire when I met Mark really I was kind of introduced to horror that way and I've been in another horror film as well I did a film called The Facility a few years ago which is a horror but this oh this was something else though I, I think you know I think I defy any actor who says they don't want to sort of walk down a co creepy corridor brandishing a knife <laughs> looking through <laughs> You know, I think what horror allows you to do, you know, the genre, you know, allows you to explore the extremities of whatever story you're trying to tell, you know, in this case, some kind of morality tale. And as an actor, it's really liberating because you're allowed to experience emotion that you wouldn't normally experience in a straight drama, for example, you know, um, you're taking emotion to its extreme, you know, whether, whether it's fear or fear of death or, you know, and also Glenda is such a, a larger than life character as well. So in every aspect, I found it a very liberating part to play because I could just take things a little bit further, obviously keeping it, the, the emotion real, but in terms of where you pitch it, it was quite freeing really you know and um yes and even though she was she's sort of quite an archetypal person she's very specific you know like I mean I could see me in her I could yeah. you know judge oh. Glenda at your peril if I you mean, mean I know Glenda's you know yeah. and I was talking we had a BAFTA screening last night and I was talking to a friend who came to see it and he said how many women in Wales do we know like that and I said I know it's like and it's so much fun at this age, being able to play those parts, you know, it's, um, and you know, I suppose as well, I come from farming stock myself, well, I, not personally, but my mother and my father grew up on farms, you know, and essentially Glenda is a farm girl, you know, she grew up on a farm and I, I know those women, you know, and I, but also Glenda's moved so far away from that. But of course, we see glimpses of it when she's skinning the rabbit. And, you know, that's second nature to her because she grew up having to get her hands dirty. You know, I mean, she's a million miles away from that now. And she wasn't expecting to have to skin the rabbit herself. But she, she does it without thinking, you know, yes. of who she is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and also how she's just completely lost touch or, or, or hasn't quite. And that's what I, I love about the relationship with her and Cadiz. Caddy, it's not so much that there's any real battle between them, you know, Caddy is who she is, yeah. but she holds up a mirror to Glenda in a way that she holds a mirror up to all of us in a way, yeah. just to sort of go, oh my God, what have I become? I know, and that's what was interesting about playing Glenda is that journey really, you know, that sort of self-realisation, hopefully you see that in the way I play her, but that I sort of think Glenda sort of represents us I suppose as a sort of 
well, that kind of middle class society, you know, that sort of, like you say, is holding up a mirror and that, you know, all this sort of the wealth and the ambition and the, you know, the greed, but really hard, you know, throughout the film, I'm, I hope that people see that she becomes, that that awareness is there, you know, what she's become and where she went wrong, really, you know, and uh, so hopefully, that comes through through Glenda I think absolutely yeah and, and, and it's also it's very funny <laughs> I, I love her cell and like when she's introducing Maid and and May is it Maid? Maid? The, the Maid, Maid, Maid. and who comes over yeah <laughs> I know I mean I mean, I mean at that point there's no um she there's no self-realization at all is that she's you know this woman she's went to school with and grew up and, you know it's all about the showing off and the, the you know no not self-aware at all at that point you know and what was great about that house is that there was an isolation room in that house so they wrote it into the script in the end you know it's just like this little room that you go into and uh meditate and yeah. it was like a prison cell it was very strange <laughs> But I, I also love the efficiency of the script because there wasn't an awful lot of dialogue, really, was there? I mean, Glenda yeah. probably had the most out of everyone, but even in that in that um, scene with Mayed, where you just literally just raise your head and it just says everything that you need to know about Glenda and their relationship and everything. And yeah, what what were your feelings about the efficiency of the script? Did you really enjoy the sort of more physical aspects of it? I did, I did. You know, I think the first 10 minutes, what I loved about it is that you hear, you do hear Glenda speaking nonstop. Mm. It's almost like this verbal diarrhea. That's the most you hear her, you know, that's the most dialogue, I think, is at the, you know, obviously the first six, seven minutes, there's no dialogue at all. And then Glenda comes in she's just talking at people she's not waiting for an answer caddy doesn't answer her caddy doesn't speak but she doesn't even notice it's like that it really sets her up as a character i think it's because it's like she doesn't need anyone to answer her she's just ordering everybody around complete control freak and it's so tunnel visioned that no one else even her own sons aren't really that important to her so you know she's almost telling caddy the story of you know when they're pre preparing for the feast it's like you know who her husband is and the boys and we're young again it's like she's not engaging in conversation it's just her talk but then yes for the rest of the film you know the dialogue is very efficient there's not much of it and yes I did enjoy the physical aspect of that and just allowing scenes to breathe you mm. know and having the chance just to I think what Lee does brilliantly is he really holds on us, you know, those shots, especially at the end of scenes where you see the emotion change, especially when, you know, Maya has been and she's talking her through the painting and again, another sort of verbal bit from Glenda, you know, and, but she's quite pissed by that time. But when Maya leaves, I think we're allowed to let that scene breathe at the end, you know, where you see, you start to see Glenda's, I don't know, not self-hatred, but yes, through self, you know, that anything sort of seeping in through her pissedness really is just like, who have I become? And I'm not really engaging this woman and what is all this about, you know? And I just think you see that in the way that Lee allows the scene to breathe rather than through the dialogue. And I just think that's really refreshing. And that's the beauty of film. That's what we don't get to do in TV, I think. Absolutely. Yes, it's it's like you, and as the, 
viewer I love being allowed to do that rather than being pecked at the whole way through you know the film like this is this is what you must feel now it's just like ah I get this and I can yeah. breathe with this definitely and then and tell me about your relationship with Caddy like, and, and Anes Elui as well because she was yeah. fabulous and she just right. watches and lurks and uh, yeah <laughs> She's amazing. Um, I didn't know Anis before oh. making this film and we were thrust together. Uh, we had a little house together on a top, top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. So it was, we had to get on because there were two of us living and traveling to work, living together, traveling to work together every day. And we were so isolated in the, this house because I didn't have a car she had a car but hates driving so we never went anywhere so we'd literally go back to our little house every night and we just got on so well and we've been friends ever since and she is an amazing actor god I mean she has the most amazing look she just said you know she only has to turn her head or like just the way she moves and her face it just speaks volumes and you know such a difficult part really mm. it's much harder I think not to have any words because you have to, she has to own that scene, you know, without saying anything. And because she has this amazing presence, she just does it brilliantly. Um, I mean, perfect casting and she's a great, great actor and friend, I know. So yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yes, and, and she, she's very morphic all the way through it. Like sometimes you look at her and she's just a normal, almost schoolgirl. And then, then she's like the witch out of the ring or, yes. you know, like she's just yeah. incredible. It's funny because my husband, she's doing a husband uh, a project my husband's involved with at the moment and he'd never met her before. And I think because Anis can look quite um, intimidating and um, scared, you know, she has that ability to look quite scary, you know, because she's got such a strong kind of presence and, and look, and obviously he'd seen Glyph and seen her in other things where she plays quite sort of scary characters. And he was so shocked when he met her, um, had the meeting for this job, that she's just this gorgeous, like, lovely, <laughs> like, lovely little, per you know, just not bad bone in her body. She, she's got that amazing ability at Annis, and then that will be brilliant for her and her career because she can go either way, you know, she can be super sweet or super scary, which is a great quality to have. Definitely. And tell me about, um, I mean, you, you, you're a Welsh speaking person anyway, and you act in Welsh, but I loved the choice to use the Welsh language in a horror film because it just lends itself perfectly to that otherness that you well, need in horror yeah and I think you know obviously horror sells in every any language you know we're so used to seeing foreign horror films but I just think I mean I've grown up watching foreign films all the time you know I just love going to see films in another language because for me it just trans it enhances the experience and it transports me to another country culture you know and I, I love it. And I just think what's brave about this, I said, I just don't think we have enough confidence in Wales to do things just in Welsh. You know, I've been involved with so many projects over the years, films and TV that we do them back to back. So we make an English version and we make a Welsh version and we have the Welsh version for Wales and then we sell the English version because we don't think anybody wants to listen to us speaking our own language. And 
what I loved about this experience was being able to make a film unapologetically, completely in the Welsh language. And I think, you know, we've sold it it's all over the world, you know, and it's, it's you know, that's the proof that we can do it. You know, it's like, I just wish, and I hopefully things will change, but I think we will have more confidence going forward just to do things in, in Welsh, you know, and <laughs> I've been involved with many Welsh language films. I mean, my, husband and I made a film a few years ago we made it in we made a film called Patagonia we made it in Welsh and we made it in Spanish there was no English in it at all and and it sold as a European film you know and that's I think and any as any European film we should be able to do the same you know and and put it out there in the Welsh language and people will go and see it you know absolutely absolutely you know and, and it's it's so I don't know in guttural and so robust visceral. language <laughs> very robust and very unusual yeah hear, you know but I feel so lucky to have been brought up bilingually you know and I'm doing the same with my children and I think if you can give that somebody for free and I'm so grateful you know and and I think you know throughout my career I've done things both sides of the border you know but I feel, you know, obviously early in my career, people didn't get to see Welsh language stuff as well as they can see it now. You know, obviously streaming and everything and just the way people's attitudes have changed towards watching things with subtitles. You know, I feel it's just that the whole landscape has changed really in terms of doing things in different languages. And I feel very proud to be a part of that, you know. Yes. And I, you know, I can imagine like a really great Scandi noir kind of thing coming out of Wales or something with the Welsh well, language. Yeah, but, but then again, you know, like things like Hinterland and Hidden, mm. which I was in both, you know, we did them in English and in Welsh. And then, of mm. course, everyone gets to see the English version. I was like, they've got to stop doing that. You know, let all they do them slightly bilingually, you know, let's just sell it in Welsh. Let's just do it in Welsh and sell it in Welsh, you know, but there's been a lack of confidence about that. I suppose. TV slightly different as well. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they feel they have to offer an English version as well. But yeah, yes, and there definitely is a kind of more I don't know liberal approach to filmmaking, isn't there? When with um instead of subtitles, like, like um, I was talking to Lee, and he said, you know, TV has to be so literal. Yes. You know, yeah. in, a, in a way that films... accessible and you know and I suppose that's where the lack of confidence comes from in terms of tech but with film it is definitely it's more freeing in that way especially especially with horror you know it's it is a you know it horror sells isn't it so in any language so I think there was you know I think Lee and Roger were quite pragmatic about that as well you know they wanted to make they wanted to tell a Welsh story that was going to be seen widely and I think you know that was part of the reason of choosing the horror genre but I think because we come from such a if to tell a Welsh story we have such a sort of rich tradition of folklore and legend you know there was it was the perfect landscape for it really and completely I mean I, I, were you familiar with the kind of legend that it is loosely based on you, oh, we, we grow up with those yeah. like, they're part of our who we are you know we from primary school where we're taught the Mabinogi from the age of five you know it's just it's just so much part of who we are you know especially in a Welsh language Wales you know and I went to a Welsh primary school so 
God, yeah, I know all the Mabinogion stories, you know, so obviously this is loosely based on Bedeweth, you know, the woman who came, was made from flowers and came from the earth, you know, and uh, yeah, so I think that's, it's such a Welsh story in that sense, though anyone who watches it who's would be so familiar, in Wales, would be familiar with that backstory and background, you know, although it's very loosely based on that, but... But then it doesn't matter because it's it's a universal story as well, you know. Yes, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like even though we've sort of look at these things like as myths, and like in Australia, the Aboriginals have their sacred lands that they do not want people to touch for the sort of reasons that are happening in the feast. Yeah. You know? And we've looked at these stories as kind of like just legends, but actually, you know, what we're physically experiencing, and I think the message of this film is that these are very founded in quite real lessons that we need to be learning. Yeah, especially now with the whole, you know, I, lo I loved, you know, the fact that League sort of coined the phrase that while we were making it, this is a, uh, what did he call it? Uh, environmental revenge horror, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Perfect, yeah. yeah so, so relevant you know and um yeah and um just to finish up so this is a cinema podcast and we are obviously very keen for going for people to go and see this amazing film in cinemas because horror is uh, the genre for cinema if nothing else have you had a chance to see it in the cinema yet yes 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 i've seen it three times now i think i think we had the official opening was at the sort of london film festival beginning of the year went up last year I can't remember now um at the BFI so that was the first well actually before that uh we had a little cast and crew screening at the Everyman in Cardiff it was just before Covid uh hit it was like the week before lockdown or something or two weeks and um so we all saw it then saw it at the BFI we've done so many Q&As I think I saw it another I didn't watch it last night there was a screening last night we did a big long Q&A afterwards but um I mean, yeah, it has to be seen on the big screen. I mean, just for the visual impact and the soundscape and yeah, it's got to be seen on the big screen. I mean, who knows if it will ever be shown on TV, but no, it's it's a cinematic experience for sure. Definitely. Oh, Nia, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking with you. Best of luck with this incredible film and thank you so much. Welsh language films in general. <laughs> yes, absolutely. More Welsh language films for sure in the future. Absolutely. Oh, have a lovely day. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thanks. <laughs>